I would definitely be looking to overweight credit in my fixed income allocation. I really like ZBBB as a complement to ZTIP and ZPR. And I think that's an excellent way to allocate and protect yourself from some of the challenges that we see in the near term in both Canada and the U.S. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Inflation is top of mind and a growing concern with recent short-term rates reacting violently. But has the market overshot expectations for rate hikes, particularly in Canada? With the calendar's final quarter underway, Chris McKinney, Matt Montemuro, and your host, Mark Rays, outline strategies to prep investment portfolios for 2022. Our experts also discuss credit as a means to mitigate inflation, opportunities in the energy sector, and how industrials will be a big winner as above-average economic activity continues. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome to our BMO ETF weekly insight call with our team of experts. I'm your host, Mark Rays, head of product for BMO GAM Canada. I'd like to thank everyone for listening in. We really appreciate your time today. We're joined by Chris McKaney and Matt Montemuro, both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. Thanks to both of you for joining us today. Morning, Mark. Good morning. Thanks for having us, Mark. Good morning. Well, let's get started. Let's start with inflation because that's that's clearly dominating headlines. We're seeing U.S. inflation hold above 5%, Canadian inflation now holding over 4%, and we're expecting uh, some action to start occurring from central banks. As well, short-term yields starting to lift slightly. So can you comment on tapering and interest rate expectations for the next year as well? Can you give us a fixed income ETF pick to help with this scenario? Thanks. I can take this one. And, you know, very topical, the U.S. PPI just printed at uh, 6.2%, the the highest point that we've seen since uh, October 31st, uh, 1990. So, you know, definitely topical and definitely a a growing um, concern. You know, and I think uh, we've seen fixed income markets go into a little bit of a frenzy over the last month or so. You know, both the Fed and Bank of Canada have, uh, you know, I would say pushed the boundaries of the definition of transitory uh, and what the, what the definition of transitory really is. So much so that the Bank of Canada said that inflation is transitory, but not necessarily short lived. Um, you know, I think if you look last week, the Bank of Canada also raised their inflation forecast for 2022, saying they expect that it uh, inflation would average about 3.4% uh, for for the year. But they do expect to end the year around two, their 2% target as you know supply issues subside and eventually get sorted out. So we've seen uh, short-term rates react pretty violently over the last uh, month. We saw CAD five-year rising uh, 40 basis points to 151 basis points, the 10-year increasing 21 basis points to 172 to end October. 
you know, we have seen some of this curve flattening, you know, give back to start November, uh, identifying that, you know, maybe that initial move, that, that aggressive 40 uh, basis point jump uh, was likely a, an overreaction uh, to, the, to, uh, to inflation and to the uh, Bank of Canada's path. Um, you know, I think as the Bank of Canada begins its reinvestment phase of its bond buying program, you know, the Fed is just beginning its tapering uh, phase. It's about $15 billion per week, and they expect to complete that tapering phase uh, by June 2022. You know, some expected or, or wanted the Fed to start that earlier, but the fact that they're starting, I think, is, is at least we're moving in the right direction, uh, even though those you know, 6.2 inflation prints uh, do look scary and, and definitely are going to catch headlines uh, uh, today and, and for the rest of, of the week. You know, the market, uh, if you look at the market and, and its expectations, I do view that, uh, especially for Canada, um, the market has overshot its expectation, expectations for rate hikes. Right now, the Bank of Canada is pricing in five rate hikes for 2022. Uh, with the first being as early as March 2022. You know, this timing does seem uh, to be a little aggressive and, and overly optimistic to me to think that we uh, have that quick an economic recovery to warrant such an aggressive hike path for the Bank of Canada. Uh, while, you know, if you look in the U.S., given their less aggressive path to begin tapering, uh, I think the market remains you know, moderately expecting, you know, second half, late 2022 to see uh, some right, rate hikes. But again, you know, if we keep seeing 6% inflation prints, print, at some point you'd think that the Fed has to reconsider and, and potentially act sooner than later. We're seeing uh, yields this morning in the short end um, pop, and, and that could be, you know, some of the market reaction. So it'll be interesting to hear the Fed comments uh, later this month to see if, uh, you know, these the six handles in inflation really start to change, um, you know, their consideration as to how quickly to act. You know, so overall, you know, what does this mean for fixed income? How can you protect yourself? You know, to, to protect against inflation concerns, I would look at our ZTIP, so ZTIP. Personally, I would look at ZTIP.F, which is our hedge to Canadian dollar version uh, to help stave off some of the impact of inflation on my portfolio. You know, I think allocating five to 10% would help to offset some of this drag. Um, and I think that's something that's, that's prudent, especially in the near term to just help uh, navigate some of those inflation fears. But at the same time, we're, we're also expecting uh, that rates are going to go up. So to, to protect from, from that risk, that rising rate risk, I would look at ZPR, our rate reset preferred share ETF. You know, in this environment, ZPR uh, is very well positioned to, to benefit from rising rates due to the rate reset structure of the preferred shares. You know, as well, the PREF market in Canada as a whole continues um, is seeing some strong tailwinds as a whole uh, as bank preferred shares continue to be redeemed in exchange for the new LRCN issuances. So that's another outside of rising rates, which should, should benefit ZPR. You're also having tailwinds of, of structural changes in the market that that are pushing the price of, of preferred shares upwards. So, you know, given those two concerns, I think adding ZTIP 
and ZPR to your fixed income allocation should help you um, ride some of the volatility that's ahead and should help cushion your fixed income portfolio as a whole uh, and protect yourself in the near term. Great. Thanks for that, Matt. And I think it does really speak to the value that ETFs bring to an advisor's portfolio when you can start talking about these different asset classes that are be typically more hard to invest in, where an ETF gives you a, a really efficient access vehicle to do so and, and add value for the clients. Let's continue on with fixed income and spend a minute or two on credit spreads, because, of course, credit can help provide an income buffer against rising rates. Where do you see an attractive area in corporate bonds right now? And can you give us an ETF to put this idea to work? Thanks. Yeah, I can take this one as well, Mark. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned in uh, in the question, you know, credit spreads provide that extra bit of yield to help offset some of the negative drag that that's caused by duration in in a rising rate environment. So, you know, it offsets that interest rate sensitivity a little bit. So, you know, looking at a credit overweight, uh, you know, I think that should help to navigate, you know, this period of rising rates. So, you know, while credit has been, it's definitely been a top performer since the crash in March 2020. You know, we've seen spreads continue to tighten, but, you know, even through the volatility in 2021, we've, we've seen those spreads hold firm. You know, the constructive, the, the corporate landscape and credit landscape has been very, very constructive. And it's actually been fortuitous for a lot of companies to be able to uh, issue debt and refinance at, at lower rates. So, you know, I think going forward, I think a lot of the companies are in a very strong financial position that they've secured financing at lower rates. And, and I think from a spread perspective, I think we can expect um, some of the, we, we, we can expect spreads to uh, hang in there during some volatility as we see rising rates and, and inflation concerns. So that should help provide and insulate your portfolio uh, from some of these negative impacts. I look, if I look historically, you know, currently spreads are about 10 basis points wider than we saw pre-COVID, which were, you know, historically on the tight side. Um, but we're not at a point where, you know, it's an anomaly where I would expect some sort of blowout or big time correction. So I do see them at sustainable levels right now. So I view corporate as, as definitely a way, um, a corporate overweight is definitely a way to protect yourself in, in the period, period ahead. Um, I view going overweight credit as, as prudent uh, for the period, and I would look to shorten my overall duration. So I would look at something like ZCS to complement so that's my our short corporate bond ETF to complement that ZPR and ZTIP allocation that I, as I just spoke about. Um, but if you want to look a little bit more granular, I really like the positioning right now is ZBBB. So this is Canadian investment grade credit, but specifically triple uh, B rated bonds. So overall, this would, this would shorten my duration of my portfolio to about four years. But I would find some solace and protection in that it provides about a 55 uh, basis point yield pickup over higher quality bonds. And again, if we're trying to offset some of the risk here um, from rising rates and some of that interest rate sensitivity, that 50 extra 55 basis points, you know, will help you navigate that risk. 
and looking at historical triple B spreads, I don't see um, any sort of fundamental reason why uh, spreads in triple B specifically uh, would would really blow out right now. You know, they're they're well financed or well capitalized companies, so I think that right now Z triple B could be an excellent opportunity to take advantage of that extra yield and protect yourself in the period ahead. So. You know, I would definitely be looking to overweight credit in my fixed income allocation. Uh, I really like ZBBB as a complement to ZTIP and ZPR. And I think that that's an excellent way to, to allocate and protect yourself from, from some of the uh, challenges that we see in, in the near term in both Canada and the U.S. Great. Thanks for that, Matt. A couple of really good ideas. It's interesting when you look at uh, ZBBB as well. There's a difference in the in the sector play compared to the broader corporate market, where of course you're picking up more energy names uh, in the triple B space, uh, which is turning out to be quite positive right now uh, in the market. Just something else to think about. Now let's change direction here, and for income-focused investors, covered call ETFs are certainly a mainstay in portfolios. Can you give us an update on ZWK? or covered call U.S. bank ETFs, now that the ETF has been performing really strongly, of course, backed by the U.S. banks, some advisors asking questions on on how that ETF is or is able to to keep up in a strong return environment. Thanks. Sure, Mark. And certainly, as you say, it has been a very strong environment uh, here in 2021 for U.S. banks and the financial sector in general, also up here in Canada. Um, particularly the first half of 2021, you know, with that reflation trade, that reopening trade really taking hold of the markets. We saw very, very strong growth in the first, you know, five months or so of of 2021. And then again, more recently here um, in Q4, um, you know, kind of through uh, October and and the start November, um, we've seen that, that pick up again as well. So a very strong environment for U.S. banks in general. Um, and as you say, with our covered call version, um, you know, we would expect a covered call strategy to to lag uh, the plain vanilla, call it strategy, in those strong return environments. And we have seen that to some degree with ZWK, our covered call U.S. Bank CTF, um, but not even to the degree we might expect. So it's actually been outperforming um, even our expectations, given the strong growth we've seen. Um, in that sector that, that I was just talking about, um, our covered call strategy is capturing maybe 90 plus percent of that upside in this very strong environment. So a very good result for that one. Um, and maybe just a recap of the covered call strategy and what the trade-offs involve there um, and why you would expect it to lag in a very strong return environment. Essentially what you're doing when you enter into a covered call strategy or, or an ETF that, that employs that strategy is you're trading away some of that potential upside growth in the market in order to get that income stream from those option premiums. So you're getting an added level of income coming through the portfolio. And for that, again, you're trading off potential upside growth. And so when that upside growth is realized in the market, some of that trade-off starts to happen. Now, the way we manage our covered call portfolios, um, because this is a systematic process and we're employing this over time throughout various market cycles, um, the best approach that we found is to use the volatility of the underlying um, investments, in this case, U.S. banks, and utilize that volatility to not 
necessarily generate more yield, but to move the moneyness of our options out as far as possible. And what I mean by that is we're increasing um, the point at where that trade-off between growth and income starts to happen. And so just looking back on this particular ETF, ZWK, for, so far in 2021, um, the average option we've written has been approximately 8% out of the money uh, with a 30-day tenor. And so again, what that's telling you is you're collecting an income stream for, for selling that option. And on average, you have an 8% growth potential um, over the, the next 30 days before that trade-off between growth and income starts to happen, before you start to experience some of that opportunity cost. And so, you know, theoretically, if the market went up 8% every month, you would capture all of that gain and, and still be able to collect um, that option premium. And so, again, we found that's the best way to deploy a covered call strategy is to adjust the moneyness dynamically um, based on the volatility and implied volatility in the market at that time. And, you know, this approach, again, has proven to be very good over a number of years. And in particular, this year, um, again, when we do see very strong growth potential, um, we're able to capture a lot of that. And so investors are able to, to have that growth in their portfolio while still generating that income stream. And, you know, in this, in this particular case, again, looking at the U.S. banks, it's been over uh, four, four and a half percent annualized, that income stream we've been getting so far here in 2021. So a nice addition um, in terms of that income stream to the portfolio. It's a tax efficient income stream because those call options are considered capital gains. And so for those income oriented investors, as you say, um, they really look to cover call strategies to, to harness that income and to, and to get that income on a, on a consistent basis, but also be able to capture some of that growth potential that is in that particular sector, in this case, U.S. banks, um, or whatever particular sector they're investing in across the other covered call uh, options in our suite of ETFs. You're listening to Views from the Desk, a weekly edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're enjoying today's discussion, we encourage you to tune into our deep dive episodes where we take you under the hood of BMO GAM's product suite. Check out episode 69 in this same podcast series where we take a deeper look at fixed income and equity solutions to hedge against inflation from U.S. tips and real return bonds to base metals and oil. Now, last week we talked, of course, about the UN COP26 conference, which is still ongoing. But looking at energy markets, oil, of course, continues to climb. Can you tie these two points together with ZEO? Our oil and gas ETF, which, speaking of high returns, has returned over 65% year to date. What does the oil price recovery mean for reinvestment? And answer this two ways in both traditional and non traditional uh, energy for these companies. So, really, does the higher oil price change the operations of these firms going forward? Again, if you can tie that in with ZEO. Certainly. And, you know, as you mentioned, with, with COP26 currently ongoing, um, you know, the global climate crisis very much in focus right now and renewable energy sources and alternative energy sources, um, you know, the commitment to those um, new sources of, uh, of energy cons uh, production um, very much in focus um, and somewhat to the detriment of, of the oil and gas industry. Um, certainly, um, you know, 
I think most people believe that the energy transition is happening and will happen over time. But I think it's very important to remember that we're talking about a transition that's taking place over decades and decades. So we're not talking about just a matter of a few years. We're talking about 30, 40, 50 years into the future. And so this particular sector, although uh, um, globally we're transitioning away from reliance on, on oil and gas, um, is not really going to go away in terms of our dependency from that. Um, just taking a look at, um, you know, forecasts from the U.S. Uh, EIA, um, between now and 2050, so let's just call that approximately 30 years, it's expected that global energy consumption um, is going to go up by about 50% from today's levels. And so a, a really positive goal here would be if, if those renewable sources, and call it clean sources, um, are able to ramp up quickly enough that they're sufficiently to be able to, to meet all of that increased or most of that increased energy demand, there's still a huge reliance on the quote-unquote traditional energy sources such as oil and such as gas. Um, and again, according to these EIA estimates, renewables won't surpass um, traditional oil in terms of energy production until around 2050. So Again, it's not about getting rid of oil and gas. It's about adding new, cleaner energy sources to the global energy mix. So what happens with a higher oil price? First of all, that is good for those alternative energy sources because it makes them comparably um, not as expensive. But it's also really good in the sense that um, the oil companies themselves are able to benefit from these higher oil prices and therefore reinvest more in, back into their own businesses. And particularly, you asked about ZEO, which is our Canadian oil and gas ETF. So looking specifically at the Canadian oil and gas companies, they're really taking two different approaches to it. Um, you know, you might have one approach where um, the company says, you know what, we are an oil and gas company. This is what we do and this is what we know how to do. So we're going to stick with this. But what we're going to do is reinvest in this sector and and, and figure out how to make our existing businesses and our existing operations less carbon intensive. And so you can take the oil and gas sector itself and make it a little bit more, um, again, less carbon intensive. And so you're able to continue that oil and gas production that's gonna be required, is required and is gonna be required going forward and, and reduce the impact um, on the environment that, that, you're, um, that you're making. But the only way to do that is through continued investment and reinvestment. And then you have the other uh, side of the coin where um, you have some companies that might not see themselves purely as oil and gas companies, but just as energy companies. And so, and, and you know, think of Enbridge might be in, in this example here where they're investing in alternative sources of energy as well, such as solar. And so again, those higher oil prices um, as a benefit to some of these companies, allow them to increase their investments into these alternative energy sources in order to widen the variety uh, of, of, of energy production that, that, they, that they provide. And so, again, there's two different ways that are, that are being attacked by, by Canadian oil and gas companies currently. Um, both of those really will go to, uh, again, reducing carbon intensity in general, and then also being able to provide um, those alternative sources of energy, those renewable sources such as wind and such as solar. So I think it's, again, important for people to just keep in the back of their heads um, this energy transition 
um, is going to play out over decades and decades. Um, and the reliance on oil and gas, even for the next 30 years, um, is not really going to be reduced at all. And if anything, will still be moving higher in addition to those renewables um, capturing that, that, that higher demand um, or that increased demand globally. Um, and so that's going to take continued investment in that sector, whether it's in those traditional oil and gas areas, how to make that more efficient and more energy efficient, um, or whether that's using it to, to reinvest in other areas and expand into, into other um, energy production processes. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. And certainly hearing from your comments, um, the support that the higher oil price does give for these companies to, to really extend that strength into, into the next year and beyond. Now, staying with the sector theme, um, advisors have asked about the continued strength of ZIN, or Canadian Industrial ZTF. If we look at what's gone on this year, uh, there's been some very strong performing names in the portfolio. So your comment on what is driving returns, and as well, and perhaps more importantly, your outlook for 2022 for ZIN. Sure. And industrials, you know, the sector itself and particularly in Canada is, is really one of those sectors that is most tied to global economic activity or, or sorry, at least North American economic activity here in Canada um, and economic growth as well. And so, as you mentioned, it's been a very strong year for that economic growth. Um, we've seen above trend GDP numbers, not just the year over year numbers based on, um, you know, a suppressed uh, uh, 2020. Um, but above trend even beyond that and as, and as we go forward as well. And so the companies in the industrial sector are the ones that benefit from that increased economic activity, right? Companies like Bombardier um, or TFI International, that's a transport and logistics company. Um, the railroads are obviously very well known here in Canada. So, you know, uh, raw materials companies like Russell Metals. So you're talking about companies that um, are moving goods and services, moving goods around uh, the country and around the continent, um, or providing those raw materials for industrial production or that industrial production itself even. Um, and so as economic activity continues to ramp up, continues to, to grow at, uh, again, above average trend, these GDP predictions, um, you know, these companies in this sector will tend to benefit from that. So, you know, again, we, we have seen companies like Bombardier have return over 300% um, so far in 2021. Now, that's after a very down year in 2020. Of course, a lot of these, again, transport in particular, very depressed in 2020 with lockdowns and things like that happening. Um, and so, again, a very uh, rough year um, in 2020, um, but coming out of that very strongly here in 2021, again, Bombardier over 300% return, um, TFI International over 100% return, um, ATS Automation 88%. So you've seen some very high numbers here. Um, and again, even those larger companies like uh, the railways um, returning in the double digits here in 2021 as well. So I think um, for investors that expect continued strong GDP growth, continued strong economic activity and expansion, um, you know, it doesn't have to be growing at that five, six, seven, eight percent pace. It can still come down a little bit at a four percent GDP growth and still be a well above um, that long-term trend and still be expansionary, and these companies would would tend to benefit from that. So for those investors, again, looking for continued GDP expansion and growth, I think the industrials are a great way to play that and to get access to that continued um, economic activity um, and be able to benefit from that. 
Great. Thanks for that, Chris. And I think when advisors look at this ETF, their their first thought, of course, is, you know, rail and air. But the reality is, and you touched on a number of the names of the portfolio, there's a lot more depth in this portfolio, particularly as it's constructed on an equal weight approach. So you're really getting a much broader exposure to the GDP growth that you're talking about. So looking ahead, we continue to get that growth. Uh, still a lot of legs in this investment. So with that, that's all the questions we have for this week. So I want to thank everyone for listening in. We really appreciate your time. And of course, thanks to both Chris and Matt, some really insightful answers, uh, some good comments that we can bring back to our own conversations over the rest of the week. With that, I want to thank everyone one last time and have a great day. Today, we heard about strategies to prep investment portfolios for inflation and continued volatility. Oil prices have pushed energy companies to innovate, and BMO's Equal Weight Oil and Gas Index ETF, ZEO, provides excellent exposure. Our experts also discussed the surprising performance of BMO's Covered Call U.S. Bank's ETF, ticker ZWK, as well as the strong performing names in the BMO Equal Weight Industrials Index ETF, ticker ZIN. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.